It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is a really good one, and I'm really excited to bring it to you guys and gals. Uh, it is Doc Coyle, formerly of God Forbid, currently of Bad Wolves, also of the X-Man podcast, uh, a podcast that I very much look up to uh, and and just strive to be as fucking good as, as Doc is uh, consistently on that podcast. Um, Interestingly enough, in setting this thing up, uh, this is an older conversation that I've had for a little bit, but there was some more time-sensitive uh, things that were talked about in other episodes that needed to go out before this. So I've kind of been sitting on this one for a little while. Uh, but that's okay, because there's really nothing super time-sensitive in this conversation. So therefore, I'm kind of bringing it out now a little bit before the Bad Wolves record uh, is coming out, which is May 11th via 11.7 Music. But when we did this conversation, Doc and I had been in talks to have him come on the podcast and talk about sports, mainly basketball. And if you follow Doc on Twitter, which is a great follow, I highly recommend you follow him on that, or really any social media for that matter, but we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But Doc likes to bring up different things about the NBA, funny gifts, funny things, his take on things, and it's just it's always great to see someone who's passionate about something else other than the thing they're known for. And so I had reached out to Doc and said, you know, I'd really like to have you come on and, and talk about basketball. And, you know, that's what we did. And the funny thing, too, was we tried doing this when I went out to L.A. Uh, and we both ended up meeting up for a little bit at the 18 Vision show. But unfortunately, just due to the Bad Wolves cover of uh, Zombie basically just taking over the world, uh, <laughs> you know, just shit happens. Uh, we talk about that a little bit uh, in the intro to the episode, um, but as a whole, Doc couldn't have been nicer, and it was really great getting to talk with someone that I've admired that, you know, I looked at what he does and, and just kind of look at all the things that he's so good at. Uh, it's it's actually very frustrating to see how good he is at a lot of things, but um, I know that's through a lot of hard work and dedication, and so he constantly is someone that I I look up to uh, across a lot of the mediums that we partake in, whether it be writing, you know, doing a podcast, so on and so forth. I will say at times uh, during this, I kind of got lost in just being enamored with how well-spoken Doc is, uh, something that I, I aspire to, to be, uh, but I don't always achieve. Um, so it's, it's a fun chat. Um, and it w was really interesting, too, is we kind of segued into something on, on a social media and, and, you know, the, the Internet being this thing and, and what it has done to us as a, as a culture and as people. And I think it was really interesting how it, that just kind of happened as a result of talking about the 24-hour news cycle that, you know, the athletes in the NBA and people like LeBron are, are subject to. And it was just kind of wild to see how we got there. And even listening back, I was like, fuck, I knew it was coming, but, man, this is... This is really cool. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed re-listening back to that part of our conversation. So um, I'm going to kind of get out of my own way because apparently people have been saying I talk too fucking much in these things. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Doc Coyle of Bad Wolves of the X-Men podcast.
what's up? Not much. What are you up to? You know, it's a crazy. Every day for me is crazy now. <laughs> Shit, I imagine every time you, uh, every time you like wake up, it's it's something new with your uh, on your end. Yeah, I'm trying to set up this. Uh, there we go. I do it this way. Yeah, it should change. There we go. There we go. I put it here. I was trying to do it with my computer. It was kind of annoying me. This is all low. It's annoying. I'll just hold it. I'll just hold it. It's fine. So number one, what's it like to wake up and find out that you had like the number one uh, song on iTunes? It's bugged out, man. It's it's <laughs> well. The thing is with with this band, it's I've had probably three or four days like that where it's you know because I think now everything is so. Uh, filtered through social media right that like the event isn't just the event oh, right no. what what what's happening is you're getting the kind of you know the, the 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 type of attention you get from something like this is overwhelming and it'll like it's actually almost a lot of ways it's kind of like torpedoed like some of my days where it's like there's all there's, there's there's a lot of extra stress that actually comes with it so even though it's like this <laughs> really great positive thing but it's also me. I've I've always been so available, right? And so connective, and I try and give people personal time. I try and answer every message, and and but then you kind of realize you're like, wow, there there is really is a limitation to how much you can kind of uh, extend yourself. So I'm kind of starting to realize that now, where it's like, all right, I, this stuff is important, you know, in terms of reaching out to people, and being available, but it's also you know, just kind of feeling the the um, you know the, the the weight of that, you know, and it's like you start getting these successes, and all of a sudden you start hearing from people you ain't heard from in a while. And this, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and it's you know, which is that's obvious. Well, it's gonna say right? it sounds like I mean anybody. I mean, everyone wants to be your friend when you're on top, and everyone kind of floats away when when you're not. And I mean, I think that applies to a lot of shit. I mean, the fucked up part is like. There was a, a friend of mine that uh, reached out to me recently. I haven't talked to this motherfucker in, like, probably five years. And he was like, oh, man, I see you got this, like, awesome podcast thing going. And you're talking to, like, all these people that we used to go see. Man, like, I'm going to have to come up there sometime soon and, and, like, kick it when we go see a show. And, like, you know, have you hook me up this time? And I was just like, what? What? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, hook you up? I was like, you never hooked me up in the first place. And uh, if you think that's like what this, why I'm doing all this shit, like you're not obviously paying attention to like what I'm, what I'm doing or like what I'm talking about on any of this. Like I'm just doing this for fun. And I was like, anything that like happens as a result of it is, is like cool. But like I'm definitely not trying. Like the person I'm gonna hook up first is my wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to like take random ass men with me to shows. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I'm, you know, I I know what it is, but you know that you know. I think with, with at least on my end, I've, I've always stayed really busy, kind of no matter what I was working on. And, you know, whether that penetrates with the world at large and people kind of paying attention to you is it is what it is. But the truth is, I've never experienced anything like what I'm going through right now. Uh, and the truth is, most of our world, the you know, where we come from, the the hardcore scene, the, the, the heavy metal world at large, this is even anomaly for that stuff. Even yeah. some of the, you know, the, the, some of the biggest bands, um, heavy bands ever have never 
done what, what we're doing, which is very hard to actually like you can I can say that statement, but it's actually difficult to really understand that. And the truth is, we don't know where that's going to lead, you know, but I can say this every aspect of our team has really, really high expectations. So uh, we definitely don't feel like there is any limits to this. So it's a matter of, you know, how we deal with that, you know. I think, uh, I mean, because I'm going to, I'm not really going to talk about band shit personally because uh, I think you're going to get beaten to death about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could do whatever, man. I'm, you know, I don't, I like, I, I literally did an interview yesterday and the guy's like screening me. He's like, hey, so do you want, are you cool with talking? I was like, I'm, I can talk about with that with whatever, you know. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, whatever you want to talk about, that's fine. I'm down, I'm down for whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a versatile conversationalist. Yes. And then I'll get to your thoughts on Space Jam 3. <laughs> uh, Uncle Drew, man, that's where it's at. I know. I'm excited. I'm actually excited for that. I thought it was going to be garbage, and I saw the trailer going to see uh, Black Panther, and I was like, whoa, this actually looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I'll be seeing Uncle Drew, no doubt. All right. <clears throat> so, intro time. So, today I have the pleasure of talking with Doc Coyle, uh, formerly of God Forbid, currently of Bad Wolves. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Very How- well. How does it feel to, uh, I forgot to mention, you have your own excellent podcast, the X-Man Podcast, so a fellow podcaster as well who's killing shit over there. Yeah, the uh, the X-Man is doing very, very well. Uh, It's a very personal uh, journey for me doing my show, and so it's, it's, it's kind of scratching my own itch in terms of wanting to have conversations I want to have, and it's, uh, it's really picking up, you know, I get a it's amazing how much feedback I really get from the show and how many people have kind of reconnected to what I'm doing through the show. And, uh, and I just, I love the, that's what, you know, when I'm not doing the you know, normal stuff, you know, just I'm listening to podcasts, you know, I'm in my car, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm at the gym. I'm listening. To, it's like one of my biggest interests. So I'm, I'm a fan as much as I am a, a participant. Do you uh, study different podcasts like I do, like like studying it, like game tape to see like how you can improve on what you're doing? Yeah, uh, in terms, especially in terms of structure and content, you know, like I because the thing is, I had many phases of my like li- as a listener where I'd be into this show or these group of shows, and after a while, those shows would lose my attention. And I'd not that they're bad shows, but after a while you kind of, okay, I get a vibe for that. And then you kind of move on to something else. And I started to figure out what were the shows I liked and, and why am I, I've been listening to this one particular show for five years. And in this show, I listened to a few episodes and, you know, so, and the thing is, I really look to model my show, you know, from non-music shows. So I, I listen to a lot of politics stuff, a lot of sports, a lot of, um, you know, uh, kind of quasi educational stuff, you know, like, like Tim Ferriss's podcast or, uh, stuff you, stuff you should know and, and things like that. So I really want to gauge what I do against the broad scope of, of, of great content, you know, and, and, you know, and so that's, that's really what I'm, what I'm trying to do because I feel like if I'm completely limited to just this world and then the show is going to have a very limited reach, you know? And, and so, and I don't even know if this show is what, like, if it's just going to stay this, but this is something I, I wanted, I, there's a hand, I'd say, a, about 50 to a hundred people I, I want to talk to definitely. 
And then once I kind of get through that, then, you know, maybe I'll think about doing some other, <laughs> some other things, but, but, but it's, it's, um, but I love the, uh, the format, yeah. you know, of, of kind of deep conversation, working through issues, connecting, uh, to someone else and, and learning about them. Um, and, and I, I love, and this is something I've noticed, you know, I'm a, I'm a debater. I'm a, a, uh, I, li- I like, I find the conversations where people don't agree infinitely more fascinating than the ones where people are just, you know, being a yes man. Right. It's, it's kind of funny in kind of setting this up, something that I like, you know, you talk about like where your podcast may go and something that I kind of focused on with mine being the, the untitled podcast, because I couldn't think of a better name uh, initially. And I didn't really know where I wanted to take it. And I've kind of realized how freeing in the last, when I hit like my year mark, how freeing actually having an untitled, like it's not the music podcast or the heavy metal podcast or whatever. Yeah. It could be anything. And then I kind of started thinking about how I really wanted to embrace the, the untitledness of it and talk about a lot of different things that I'm interested in that, you know, I don't think a lot of people maybe necessarily get to talk about. And so for me, growing up, like music and sports were two of like my biggest passions However, I had to kind of like separate. I had different groups of friends where it's like, oh man, I'm on the basketball team and all my basketball friends love basketball and sports, but no one really listens to music or understands it to the level where I'm like, yo, did you get this new record and hear this track and the production where this thing pans back and like just all that shit? Like people be like, I don't care. Or I'd go to my music friends and be like, oh my God, I watched this game last night and this crazy fucking dunk happened. And people would be like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about that. So it was always kind of like everything was, you know, divided for me. And I didn't typically find a lot of people were interested in both. And through the power of the internet, you know, I've kind of learned that you are one of those people that's interested in both. And so I kind of had wondered, how was it for you growing up and getting into playing music and, and also being maybe a sports person? Uh, did you find that they were kind of went hand in hand or more polar opposites? Well, I mean, I think the playing in a team sport, you know, is as as good a corollary for being in a band as you're you're going to find. You know, the idea of working together and selflessness and uh, working to a, a greater goal and sacrificing and learning how to fill roles, I think is, um, you know, there's a, there, there's a lot of great kind of wisdom and metaphors you can find within sports that are applicable to a lot of other areas. Um, but I think the, the key component is just being a versatile human being. And by, by virtue of that is that you can have divergent interests that don't necessarily have to relate theoretically. Uh, but it's, I think it's actually good to be like, I, like, I don't want all my friends to, like exact the same exact four things and we do those four things it's like no it's good to have let me go hang out with these sports people over here and we'll do that thing and while i'll hang out with my metalhead friends over here and i'll go hang out i'll do crochet over here and then i'll go do <laughs> yoga over here and then i'll have my yoga friends and and whatever i think that's perfectly fine because you're you you want to have you know it's like the worst thing I think socially is to be a kind of person that only feels comfortable in certain places mm-hmm. you know um you know, me, you know, maybe it's by, by virtue of being uh, biracial and ha- having to constantly, um, you know, figure out how to fit in wherever, you know, never having like a definitive tribe. Right. You know, like I said, and, and I'd say as through my teenage years and then growing into adulthood, my tribe is 
the metal community, you know, the heavy music, the hardcore scene, whatever, the, the, the heavy music world. Like, I go to a, one of those shows and I feel comfortable. And I feel like, oh, yeah, these are my, these are my people, you know. Right. Um, you know, more so than a race is my people or a religion <laughs> or a political um, uh, identification is my people. Like, that's my tribe, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And I've, you know, chosen that. But, um, but no, it's funny. Like, a lot of my – so I'm on, like, a, a basketball – thread with three of my, my friends from Jersey, two of my friends from Jersey, and it's all through music. You know, it's Benny from Gaslight Anthem and my buddy Luke, who's in to play drums in a band called X Number Five. Um, but all, but on this particular thread, all we do is talk hoops. Okay. You know, um, you know, I'll you know I'll talk with Brian Fair. Hey man, you know what's going on with you know the the, the Celtics or Mark from Periphery, and we'll we'll talk you know uh, the the Wizards and so those connections or even I've met people, media figures. So I was on a, um, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, ESPN podcast. Uh, this guy, Derek James mm-hmm. over there called raised by wolves. This guy, Russ Bennington, who writes for complex, uh, magazine. And he's, you know, and I would just see him post, you know, he's like a straight up hoops, you know, hip hop culture, that stuff but then he would randomly post something about metallica or something and i was and then i like comment on something and he, he and we kind of just made the connection you know so those those connections are are there um and it's always great but i don't i don't expect it and i think it's fine like we you know connect on what you're going to connect on you don't have to have the same interests you know across the board for sure i think uh it's a little bit easier now to find those people that kind of share the common interest with the fact that you know, we have social media to f- kind of find those people randomly, whereas before it's like, you know, growing up in a small ass town, either from being, you know, I grew up in Delaware and it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it, uh, I think it made me a little bit more uh, conducive for being more outgoing and finding something to do wherever I happen to be, because there ain't nothing to do there. By the way, I'm pretty sure the original name of Delaware was the untitled state. So I think that's uh, <laughs> I think that's where the correlation comes from. Thinking about you know, I knew like I grew up kind of playing guitar really early on and, and kind of trying to to do the band thing and doing music while I was also actively like uh, playing sports in high school and so forth and, and kind of stretching myself really thin between the two. Um, but I was kind of wondering, you know, as I kind of was growing into being a Dennis Rodman fan, like when he played for the tail end of his career with the Pistons, then obviously when he went to San Antonio. I kind of gravitated toward like the the outlier players like him and Matumbo and and players like that where it's like they're not going to be the people most people are probably like paying attention to but I think they're the most interesting and those are the people I followed more so as a team very much like I kind of identified with certain players that probably weren't like the you know like Mike Mushak Mushak was like one of my favorite guitar players and someone I looked after because I was like that dude's doing a lot of crazy shit but I don't really feel like he's getting a lot of fame because of how like his guitar playing did you find that, like, when you kind of got into maybe the NBA and so forth, were you more of a team person or a or a player person? And same with like kind of in music. Well, I, I'm I'm, you know, at at my heart, I'm a nerd, and what <laughs> what and what I what I think defines nerddom is a form of obsession mm-hmm. and honing in on details, right? So, what I think what you're talking about is. Like I, I, I would say I'm I'm definitely into that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. On like you know it's just like kind of getting into the minutiae because it's real easy to say oh Michael Jordan's my favorite player or 
Kobe's my favorite player, right? But, you know, I'm going to be a dude who's like, yo, I like Rick Fox because that dude will, like, elbow someone right in their ribs. Or, <laughs> you know, like the the Davis brothers on, mm-hmm. like, the Pacers who are just thugs, you know, like just beating people up and choking people out, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, man, I love you, Donis Haslam. That dude's... 15-foot jumpers wet, and he'll choke, he'll choke you out. Like, I, I, I just love – I, I love, like, the enforcers right. on the team, you know. So you're um, a big Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace kind of player for the Pistons and so forth. Well, so, so here's, you know, uh, you know I, I'd say a, a, a point of shame is that the period I kind of – I actually fell out with basketball a little bit was the, the period of time when, God forbid, was the most busy. So, so from, like, 2001 to, like, 2006 mm-hmm. was when I wasn't really watching basketball. And that was basically kind of like when – the Spurs and the Lakers were winning all those titles mm-hmm. and the, the Pistons. So I kind of, a lot of the, that era, I've gone back posthumously. Like I'll watch old games on YouTube and I'll mm-hmm. find stuff like that. Um, so I know a, a good amount about it, but that era I feel is probably as far as my lifetime, the era I'm probably least uh, knowledgeable out from a firsthand basis. It's unfortunately, funny, it's funny you mentioned that because that was going to be one of my questions was how hard is it was it for you when you were actively touring to keep up with the NBA? And if you kind of fell out and then maybe like what got you back into it? LeBron got me back into it. Really? I saw him uh, when he played against the Spurs when he, and he's like in his third or fourth year or whatever. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And they got swept. Oh, yeah. But I was I was just like, you know, it, it's what transcendent players do and work what we're kind of going to have to figure out after he he retires. And I think one of the, in in many ways, it's kind of accident of history because a lot of the, the best, pl- the players that were, so, that were, would have carried the league mm-hmm. uh, after Jordan retired, uh, got injured. So a Penny Hardaway got injured, Grant Hill got injured, Tracy McGrady. Got in, and those guys were going to be, were transcendent players. And so I feel like a, a lot of that era kind of didn't reach its full potential partially because of injury or just I think that era just had a lot of um issues you know well it was it was well it was a it was a um a confluence of of the cultures clashing you know this is the era you know as good as Alan Iverson was he was known for how he dressed and talking about practice and and uh they had really Oh, another Chris Webber who oh, kind of yeah. got hurt got hurt at the at the height of his powers. There were so many so many people that those just, Lakers teams though just fucked him from getting anything done. Well, no, the referees <laughs> fucked him in that game six. But yes, um, true. you know, uh, but um, so I think that that was a, an era that underperformed, and, and all we can do is hope when whenever LeBron retires in in a in a in a, in a you know five years or whatever that. The, the league is in a healthy place, which I really hope hope it is. But anyway, so it was LeBron that got back in, and then that 2008 Celtics team I kind of fell in love with. The big three? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and just actually toss my notes aside, because you just touched on pretty much everything I was going to mention eventually. <laughs> and about basketball? Yeah. No, like literally I, ha- I was going to speak to legacies. Uh, you know, we, we had the NBA kind of always having like that tr- one player who literally I literally wrote transcended uh, the game between, you know, Dr. J going into Wilt Chamberlain, Magic and Bird to Jordan to Kobe and Shaq and now LeBron. And then I was going to ask, like, where do we see the NBA going from here? Because it's at a weird transition where there's not really that that player that's come out that's like 
is going to be the man by itself and kind of put the the NBA as a whole like on his back. Like I don't Jordan, think you have to. I think there's like five of those guys. Like that's that's what I'm saying. I actually think it's this is the most place. talent. Yeah, dude. I mean, are you kidding me? For Giannis, sure. dude. I like, can't wait to see when Giannis, he kind of puts it all together. What do you mean put it all together? The dude is giving you 28, 10, 5, and like 1.5 blocks, 1.5 steals, and no, literally no one, and he's shooting like 55% from the field. And literally no one's done that, and he won't even crack like the top five in MVP voting. Right. Like, this is insane what is going on right now. There's, I, I, there, guess, there, I guess I was looking at it more from the perspective of – Kind of like how a Jordan, how everybody were able to raise the the rest of his team that may not be at that level to just make that a monster team. That's like, I mean, I feel like they're like. Bledsoe. What are you talking? About? What are you talking about? The Bulls won fifty five games and were one game away from going back to the finals without Michael Jordan. Right, he was on a great team. Exactly, but like Jordan. So he did, he, well, he was, but he didn't do it by himself. He was well, on a great team with one of the, the greatest coach. That's not named a Brig Popovich ever. I guess more though to the point though, and another thing I was going to bring up and though, beat is... up on scrub ass teams. <laughs> Every single championship that LeBron has, mm-hmm. he beat a team that had three Hall of Famers on the other side. Exactly. And Jordan was winning. He was beating Gary Payton and who? Sean exactly. Kemp. Exactly. Yeah, Sean Kemp. Yeah, none of those guys making the Hall. None of them. Like you know. He faced a team with Charles, like with Charles Barkley's best player, and then the next guy, Kevin Johnson. Like he beat he beat Lakers with you know old ass uh, Magic <laughs> Johnson and old James Worthy, and no, uh, you know, and Cream was gone. Like, listen, I, I get it, but all championships are not created equal. Those Lakers teams are beating up on a on a shot ass Nets team mm-hmm. on you know. The, I'm just saying that there's much more competition now yes. and the teams are the best teams. You know, it's like, it is almost impossible to beat the Warriors. Right. They have four Isn't Hall it kind of Famers. Of, it's interesting though. Cause like to, to that point when everyone, and this was something where I was going to go with it. So I like that now this is just turning into a debate, which I love. So what's interesting though is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's it's cheating. You know, like the Warriors are cheating or, you know, and everyone wants to gang up on LeBron when he they made the big they, three they down in Miami cheating, and they shit like that. Cheating. And to me, it's like, you know, there was a big three before the big three in Miami. No one really said shit about that. But then even going back further, like you just said, Michael Jordan basically had always had a, a relatively at least a, a big two between him and Pippen and always had solid role players and kind of basically beat up on shot ass teams. Like you're saying, I think really – the struggle, the only team that really gave them any fight really was the Jazz. And look at how out of their prime fucking Stockton and Malone were. And Hornacek. They were like 35 years old. But they were like, those are like the last handful of years that they were even productive, those two. Yeah. But. No, no, no. They, uh, it was, yeah, that's what, that's part of, that's part of my point. He never had to face um, uh, Elijah Wan in the finals. Um, you know, and people forget uh, the year he came back, 95, they lost. To Orlando. Yeah, the first round. Yep. So, Or second round, second round. Second round. But what's interesting, though, is, like, it's kind of funny when a lot of people want to, you know, talk about the NBA and talk about which era of NBA is better and so forth. I, I still find it interesting and a fact that I don't think a lot of people even recall is just, like, how there's only been, I think, 10 or 
10 or 12 teams that have won the title. If you really go I don't back. Top, I don't off the top of my head, but you're right. It's not that many teams. And, like, that's kind of shocking that less than – that the same same teams win year in and year out, basically. And it's not shocking. It's actually not shocking at all because, because of the way basketball is. Because only five players play on each side. Uh, players play both sides of the ball. They play offense and defense. And your best players play most of the game, probably mm-hmm. like – you know, play about 80 to 80, you know, 85% of the actual game time. It is the, this, the team sport that is most favored in the uh, ledger of talent. Mm-hmm. Talent, will, talent will win. It is harder to get lucky in basketball than any other sport. Football is very easy to get lucky. Why? Because it's, it's one. No, it's one game elimination. Oh, okay. Yeah, in that regard, yeah. And. And because it's a it's a low scoring game, you do one thing, you make one mistake, and they score seven points. And, and seven points, as a percentage of the overall amount of points scored, is usually about a quarter mm-hmm. of of the actual uh, points scored in in the average football game. Uh, basketball, you there's there's no ten point shot in basketball. There's no such thing as a grand slam in basketball. You know, you have to play better consistently over the course of the game, and then the series. Are best of four or best of seven, mm-hmm. so you have to get you get a large enough sample size where nine out of ten times the better team is going to win. So what happens is when you get if you just get two of the top five pl- best players on a team or two of the top ten, then the odds are so overwhelmingly in your favor that you're going to win. That yeah, there's it's a it's a league dominated by dynasties, and it's very difficult to to compare eras. Because you know we look at those Bill Russell Celtics teams where there's just there was like I, I think what were the eight teams in the league there was like there weren't that many teams in the league so that right. made it even drastic you know you're talking about a team that had I think something like eight people, guys make the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. on one team I mean it's you know it's it, you know and and who knows how shady it was how they like got players <laughs> or what they did you know um, you know I, I'm still confused on how. Uh, you know the the Lakers had had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and still ended up with Magic Johnson as the number one pick and then James Worthy as the number one pick. I'm like, who paid off who? How did how did this happen? You don't think it's just good good GMing? I don't know how the I don't I don't, I don't know what the rules were like back then or how things happened. I don't know. I can't speak on it. It's just it's just peculiar. That's all. It's it's kind of interesting though thinking back to you to sort of uh, the prime, we'll say, of like the Bulls' run, basically, of, uh, you know, the repeat, three-peats and so forth, and then basically the Rockets and, yeah, basically just the Rockets winning while Jordan was there. Well, he wasn't there, really. Well, that's what I'm saying. When Jordan wasn't there, it was the Rockets that won back-to-back, and then he came back and basically took back over for a couple of years. Yeah. And then, then it was uh, San Antonio, the start of San Antonio's reign, really. Um but it's it's kind of interesting to think about how the game has shifted. And something – I was trying to find the tweet so I could actually quote you directly. Uh, but you made a comment about how there's not really the need for a, a big – like a true big man anymore, like a big – a five, like a solid five like there used to be. Like, you know, every a lot of teams back in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and even going back further, always had like that dominant big man that, you know, was the centerpiece of, of the team. And I was trying to think myself, when when did that shift happen to kind of – usher in this, you know, this shooting guard league basically now, like where everyone's at the three-point line and not playing much of a an inside game anymore. 
And really, the only thing I could think of was maybe when, right around the time of Tim Duncan kind of going out of his career, or even Shaq when he retired finally. Like, those are like the last two kind of dominant big men I can really think of. Well, it's pretty simple. It's it's the, the Warriors changed the league. It's that simple. The Warriors changed the league. The year before the Warriors won, the San Antonio Spurs won basically starting two centers, Tiago Splitter and um, Tim Duncan. So what happened? What happened was, you know, they that that year, um, they broke. They they had the greatest or one of two greatest um, point differential in history. And in people, and people also have to keep in mind they also, you know, they had a, guy, a little guy named Andrew Bogut, uh, who was a number one pick as their center, a great passer. Uh, you know, was a uh, one of the top defenders in the league that year. But how they really destroyed teams was what, the thing called the death lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a guy, you know, in um, uh, Draymond Green, who essentially is uh, if Dennis Rodman was also a point guard who could shoot threes. Right. Like we, you know, we've really never seen a guy like that uh, who could who was six seven who could guard centers. Um, and also guard point guards. So, and then there's this other guy named Andre Iguodala, who was an Olympian and a former All Star and a and a All Team defense uh, type performer. I don't know if he's actually made All Star, uh, but you know, also a guy who could handle the ball. So you you, you kind of you know, and then you people talk about Harrison Barnes, you know, like you know a, a tweener. Uh, who could guard power forwards and hit threes? Guy that so I said it. I was like, I was like, that guy would average twenty points a game if he was on another team. He goes to Dallas. What does he do? He averages twenty points a game. Kind of an underrated player. So that death lineup. And then you say, well, let's take the two, two. You know, Steph Curry's probably the greatest shooter of, of all time. Uh, Clay Thompson might be the third <laughs> or fourth. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's an anomaly. Um that we just never seen. And so because of that lineup, um, they realized that what you would gain on the offensive end by having a big man out there that could get offensive rebounds and maybe hurt you down low, you would actually be hurt w- much worse on the other end because his defensive uh, impact would be taken away because you'd have a guy who was not on the inside. Right. So, and because three counts more than two, Mm-hmm. And you have the greatest three-point shooting team in history. It changed the league, and it happened basically overnight. Um, you know, so everyone's adjusting to that. But I think what you said, your earlier point, is actually totally true as well. But there's also a deficit of great centers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you and 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 I think you so you, but you can see, look at what Philly's doing with Joel Embiid. When yes. you actually have a guy who's seven two, and is that good. Then it's like, oh, that's – and I think, th- honestly, it's going to take a team like that to beat the Warriors. Like, you have to be good in an area where they're not good at. Right. You have to be able to punish them over and over again. But the but the thing is, w- once people kind of realize that three equals more than two, it's by automatically that it's going to uh, hurt that position because the numbers don't lie. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Like when I was kind of thinking about doing this conversation with you for a while, it's just like I've been thinking about so many of the different eras. Like just 
just how much the game has changed since I started watching it, like I said, in the late 80s. And, you know, it used to be slow. Like, LeBron's, like, kind of... I feel like LeBron would have been even more of a beast kind of in the in the, the late 80s, early 90s, because he loves that slow, like, just... I'm gonna bang it in there and, and get my get my trips to the free throw and so forth. And it's kind of like a throwback player in that way. Whereas I don't, I can't remember really because I didn't watch the first couple of years he played. Uh, and ironically enough, I remember very much like how an album can take you like to the first time you heard it. I remember where I was when LeBron scored all those points to beat the Pistons to get to the championship, and I was just like, like the whole bar was going ape shit and like rooting against him, and I was like. Man, I think this Pistons team's done, but I, I think I'm gonna like watching LeBron from here on out because this dude's like just like so young and just got like this package of like a, his game that like it just keeps growing. And he's only like three years in the league or four years in the league at this time, and he's basically taking players who shouldn't even this team shouldn't even be giving Detroit these many hassles, and it's just basically him. And so that was kind of like me where I got into like following LeBron and being like, all right, I think this is going to be like a dude to watch and he's going to live up to the hype, not just be like a flash in the pan, like, you know, like a Darius Miles or somebody who was like good for like two years, has like some fucking flashy dunks and shit, and then he's gone. Well, I mean, I think the key component you kind of pointed to there was he evolved with the league. Yeah. Right. So so let's look at the year 2010. Okay. Right. Um, and I think uh, uh, was that the actual actually 2011. That's when Derrick Rose won MVP. Mm-hmm. Right. I think uh, Dwight Howard was second or third yep. in MVP voting. And you look at two of those guys who have have had injuries, but uh, they're not any uh, older or uh, or uh, older than than LeBron James. No. Right. Um, and but what you see with both of those guys, right, going from being dominant was they didn't evolve with the league, right? Right. Um, Derrick Rose didn't realize, hey, my, you know, my knee is hurt, so maybe I should just take like eight million three pointers a day and get really good at that because uh, that's where the league is going. And he came back with the Knicks, and he was actually pretty good. They averaged like eighteen four and four and like forty six percent shooting, but he doesn't get to the free throw line. He doesn't shoot threes. So essentially, his um, while his numbers are good, his efficiency is in the tank. Um, Dwight Howard, a guy physically as gifted as any big man as we we've had um, in the last ten years, but refused to understand that the league is not, um, you know, post dominant. And especially, he's actually not good in the post. Like no, <laughs> by, the, by, by by the numbers that. He would he would he would thrive if he would just accept being a pick and roll kind of uh, Tyson Chandler on steroids right. role, like a la um, you know DeAndre Jordan or the guy who replaced him in Houston who accepted that and is killing the league, uh, Clint Capella. Yeah, um, and he refi- and the thing is, so when you actually look at Dwight's numbers, they're pretty good because he's that physically gifted. Um, but the truth is, if you know, LeBron has is putting up numbers as good or better than he ever has in his career Which because he's because he's <laughs> one of the smartest players in the league. And what LeBron did was he never stopped adding things to his game. You know, like he didn't have a post game in 2011. He couldn't get up. He couldn't score a bucket on JJ Barea. You know, um, you know, on 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 the block. Now that dude's turnaround jumper is as good as anything. 
you know, he's streaky with his sh- with his three point shooting. But when it's on, it is on. Yeah, he and that and that's what people don't realize. Like people say, who's a better shooter, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? But look at the numbers. He is a better uh, three point shooter than than Michael Jordan. It's not even close. Yeah, and he's got three inches on him, and you know, forty pounds of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so no, but that but that understanding that the game is changing. But even now, I think you're you're seeing like LeBron is playing as well as he is, and the team still isn't actually winning that much. Which I, I can't, I don't know if that's him or, or the the team or the coach or or or, or who knows. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, we were kind of talking a little bit ago uh, before we kind of were officially into this, like with uh, talking about how you were saying that when I was asking like how the success of you know bad wolf stuff has been for you. And you're like, oh, kind of sometimes torpedoes my day a little bit. And it's interesting you say that because, like, now we live in, like, a 24-hour news cycle. And thinking about how, you know, you have a bad game or, like, you have a bad stretch of games and everyone just starts beating up on you. And, you know, you're getting tweeted at and you're getting comments on your fucking shit. Like, do you think that it takes way more of a toll than most people would even probably admit that to these players, like, going through an 82-game schedule plus the playoffs and so forth? Well, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing all these. Like Kevin Love wrote this big piece about de- about you know depression and anxiety, and um, you know, and I think one of the I think one of the this is actually one of the things why I really love Greg Popovich mm-hmm. is like he'll be the most serious guy and you know give people all this this crap. But after they look they lose they they lost last year and he's just like he puts this thing on. He's just like, hey, it's just a game. Like, and this generation, people, oh, they're soft, whatever, but they actually realize, oh, it's just a game. I don't have to, like, like people like, man, when the Celtics and the Pistons played, man, they hated each other. And it's like, I'm like, but is that good? Right. For, for them, to, for as like, to really take it that seriously. And I get it, it's good for you as a fan to tune into this, like, real life soap opera of these people that really <laughs> hate each other. Um, but as a human being, I think, you know, we're going to find that a lot of these guys are, you know, just from an emotional standpoint, a little bit healthier than I think some are earlier, earlier generations. But I think the truth is they're, you know, like, uh, like remember like Kevin Durant kind of got all that flack cause he had like a fake, uh, Twitter yep. handle or, or Instagram handle. And he was like defending himself because you kind of have to make that decision. Either you're going to take part in that stuff and you're going to be on Instagram and you're going to be on there. And cause a lot of these guys are trying to control their own brand. Right. right? So they were, um, trying to take ownership over their careers. Um, and there's, it, I think it's impossible not to be affected. You know, like they were saying, like, like I was listening to JJ Reddick's podcast, and he had with, um, I think it was Kyrie Irving or or, or somebody. He was, and he was talking about, oh no, you know, Jason Sudeikis. He was talking, and he was like saying how like they know that dudes will like purposely not try and block a dunk because they don't want to get turned into a GIF, right? Or they don't want to, you know, they don't want to get caught on the, you know, the. Um, House of Highlights Instagram right. page getting dunked on. Um, and so everyone, you know, I, I like, for example, like here's, here's another thing. If you noticed there's, it seems like there's more injuries now than ever. Yeah. Right. Despite the fact that 
we're cognizant of rest now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the best sports science. We have the most know the most about nutrition. They're flying private, but there's the most injuries. And one of the theories is, and I agree with this, is that I think players play harder and faster and at a pace than they ever have. Because if you're not, if you're half-assing it, and they're what's well, well, going to happen? They're going to make a YouTube clip and compile all the times where you blow it on defense or miss a coverage, and you're going to get shamed. So everyone plays way harder. They get. I'm saying you go back and watch some stuff from the '80s. Oh yeah. They are barely playing defense. Yeah. Barely, like because they were like pacing themselves because they're like you can't you know. But there was no the scrutiny wasn't like that. There weren't people on Twitter starting a you know. James Harden sucks on on defense hashtag right. back then you know when dudes so I think that, you know it's a there's a level of anxiety I think that goes with being in the public eye that um, is something we're we're confronting because it's very new um, and I and I totally get the hey I'm gonna shut all this stuff off and I'm gonna not tweet I'm not gonna be involved we have to not look at it. and that takes a certain amount of discipline but. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine just the idea of this. You get done with your job where you just went and busted your ass for a couple hours, and then there's a bunch of cameras and microphones in your face while you're trying to, like, get dressed. And have, you have to ask, answer questions. Like, imagine if you were, like, a surgeon, right? right. And you just got done, and you were in, like, some eight-hour surgery, and you got, like, blood on your shirt, and you're, <laughs> like, you know, and you're, like, let's say you lost the patient, right? And then immediately after... You had to like answer a bunch of questions and take a bunch of pictures. Do you do you, you don't think that would add infinitely more stress to your life? To I be totally, accountable. I totally do. It's, I think it's that's a the, weird thing. Yeah, and I think it's the thing that people. I think as a whole, I mean, we can kind of agree that you know athletes are kind of at a celebrity level that you know are bigger than even you know to a degree most musicians and so forth or athletes as a whole, and. They're just constantly on, and it's like I couldn't like you were piggybacking off what you're saying. It's like I couldn't imagine like you know, you know, you lost a chance like you know, oh, the Cavs lost the championship to the Warriors. LeBron finally like if he legitimately does not look at any of this shit, which is you know maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but it's like you know you have a bad game. It's on ESPN. It's in the newspaper. It's on your Twitter. You're getting notified. Everything's blowing up about how how you didn't do everything, and it's like. It's like, well, fuck, man, like, it's not just me, and, like, I just played my heart out, and, like, you know, the better team, like, it's just kind of weird how, like, collectively everyone will shit on someone for, for so long about it. I mean, look at, what is it, Billy Buckner or Billy Eichner or whatever the fuck that dude's name is that missed that fucking ground ball to him on first base, like, we still remember him for that. You're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, like, you could be the best player, have the worst day, and everyone's gonna remember that, and it just seems like, you know, something I've been collectively talking about, and I know you were focus, focusing on this uh, the other night on Twitter, about how, like, you know, a lot of people seem to just focus on negative shit as opposed to trying to even – negative things happen, but we tend to just dwell in it as opposed to maybe learning how we can better ourselves from that negative experience and turn it into a positive. And Yeah, well, but this – but I mean, I think it, it's reflective of a few things. One, you know, this is the first time in history – you know, and when I say this, I mean basically going back to like 2008, 2009, when uh, Facebook and Twitter kind of really popped off, that people could actually express themselves. Like everyone has a voice. Doesn't mean people are listening, right? There's someone right now with 12 Twitter followers bitching their ass off, and no one's really paying attention. But when you take that in aggregate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a, it's a reflection of the fact that this is a for, it's a form of power that people didn't have forever. Like if you were just a cranky son of a bitch <laughs> back in 1963, you would have to get a sign and go stand on the corner and be like, "I hate whatever." Right. Um. So this is a so this is an an impulse based on some human reaction to actually express whatever it is people express. So we're we're pretty. We we've been given the new toy and we don't really and we're kind of a, a, abusing it, um, as far as I'm concerned. But the the kind of the, the the point about negativity, I think, is that I noticed there are certain people. You know, this is why. Well, partially, this is why I stopped really following Facebook is because I was like, it's like it's either people that's really like people complaining, talking about you know, it's like. Hey, this terrible thing happened to me. And that's not even complaint. Sometimes it's like, hey, my grandmother died, which is obviously terrible, but it's, you know, um, or it's people kind of gloating in a, in a, not on purpose, but like, oh, here's pictures of my great vacation. Here's pictures of my new car. It's like, where it's like, it's just this weird thing where I felt like it was really toxic. But I noticed there are certain people on Twitter that their primary, and maybe this is more people kind of who are politically engaged and that's their, um, their field where it's all right, wh- who can I criticize? Like, who's it's just this idea of well, this person's f- messing up, and or I, I just don't like this person, so I'm going to critique them. Uh, here's and here's a really good example. Remember when Ronda Rousey lost? Oh, god, yeah, and you know, and you know, before Ronda Rousey lost, everyone loved R- Ronda Rousey, right? But as soon as she got beat. How many people posted that picture of her getting kicked in the face with like some snarky comment underneath? Which is the truth is, you know, we revel in especially great people's failure. You know, um, and I think, and that's a really sickening thought to me. Um, that that someone who who is who excelled in their life at everything, um, and then they did not succeed at one thing and then someone else gains some satisfaction out of that you know and i i could see that maybe if like ron rousey was some like terrible person i don't know much about her right uh, she, but but she seemed like someone who worked really hard and did really well and and you know came up short one day and that's okay or like this thing with fergie right right like pe- people hated her her uh you know her singing performance but has fergie had a thousand great singing performances that perhaps weren't in front of, you know, 50 million people, whatever, I'm sure she has. Um, but people really want to hone in on that and say that that's who you are. In your worst moment, that's who you are. And, and But also not understanding the hypocritical element of that, we all make mistakes and we all come up short sometimes. And it's okay. But And it's okay to acknowledge that she had a bad day, but it's not necessarily okay to kind of revel in it and, and sit and say that that's the reason, hey, maybe she just, her voice wasn't feeling that great that day, or she had an issue, or who knows? I don't know. It's kind of funny, because, like, as someone who, you know, you were, I was, I think this is the most I've actually brought up social media, but I think you're one of the few people I've interacted with the most across social media leading up to a chat. But what's interesting, though, is, is kind of two things to that is, you know, Everyone shits on LeBron for having, like, the most losing record in the NBA Finals. But then I want to be like, 
but he also by by virtue flip that around. That means he's been to more finals than most other people have been in a career, especially consistently. So why not be like he's doing something great? Secondly, like every time he loses, though, it's it just seems like everyone wants to shit on him and be like, see, that's why he's not the best player. And it's like that I don't think that's it either. And I kind of again going back to the damned if you do, damned if you don't. But you were actually did write this down. Um, in kind of like just kind of the negativity of, of everything, like you know, I don't know if you are an NBA 2K guy at all. I don't play it, but I mean, I, I'm close to a lot of people who like who are all about that stuff. So, so in the last handful of years, something that's been really interesting is the development of the social media aspect of the game. Like in the game, when you create a player, you have a side scrolling thing of social media. Like, you know. Your player only got your created player in his rookie year in his first like two games gets to play like fucking two minutes like garbage time basically. Boy, really hoisted up some great shots. Went over two or whatever, and it's like Jesus Christ! Like, why is this a part of this video game? And just like even to the point where like the snarkiness of it in a video game. Like I saw someone got injured, and it was like someone's alleged alcoholic grandfather or something. Like just random ass shit that you're just like, wow, that's that's wild that you're putting that in a video game that should have no bearing on anything, but it's crazy to see how even shit like that is impacting a video game. Like, you you know, your socials in a video game and, and how it affects your contracts and all of these other things that you wouldn't think would factor into anything, and I'm, it's just kind of been really interesting to see how much that has impacted, you know, our our sports now. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. right now is in some shit because he's on a vacation and some girl pulled out her phone while apparently he was smoking weed and maybe doing some rails, and now, you know, that could fuck up his money. Yeah, I mean, we're we're moving towards a, um, I'd say, a society that is more transparent and that um, the expectation of privacy is probably going to dwindle. Do you think um, that that's, that's something that... I mean, I know that they give classes on how to live your life in, in this world where every like everyone's basically got their phone pointed at you and always recording everything you're doing. But do you feel like maybe we expect too much out of our out of our athletes and entertainers? Um, I, th- I think we're all fucking hypocrites. <laughs> that's what that's what I mean. Th- that's what my main thing is, is people um, that I think. Someone that kind of pointed this out, especially with America, is that so we don't have a royal family. No. Right? We don't have um, that class of people that we look up to and we follow. So so essentially, instead of a royal family, we have celebrities. Right? And they're kind of this place setter and this totem that represents some, something to kind of aspire to. But also they can be the punching bag and kind of be whatever we want them to represent. Um, and that's, you know, so that that filters itself through tabloid culture. It filters itself through the idea of, of kind of um, vicarious living. Right. So I'm going to so I can't live like the Kardashians, but I'm going to watch their show all the time or follow them on Instagram. So I can kind of. uh you know, virtually exist in their world. Right. You know, and, um, you know, I think, and I think a lot of the negative consequences of that is, um, inadequacy, right. Feeling 
less than. I think this is this this relates to the whole phenomena of catfishing. Okay. If, if you notice, you ever, if you ever watch any of that that show Catfish, where I can't, they find I can't not they, help but watch it sometimes. <laughs> no, but I think it's actually whatever you think of that show. I think it's actually a really fascinating and new uh, disorder, where you have someone and and almost nine times out of ten, it's someone who's not happy with the way they look, who is not happy uh, with their station in life, and they want to be someone else. And you know, and this is, and I, I do not think this problem is going to get. Uh, better, I think it's going to get worse as uh, you know, uh, virtual reality technology becomes more immersive, um, as social media becomes the more primary way people communicate as opposed to real world interface. Um, I think this problem is, is going to get a lot worse, but this thing of um, we really want to catch people fucking up. We really want to, and in a, in a way, it's kind of fascinating because, um, you know, with our, you know, not to get too political with it, but it's kind of interesting how, like, someone like Trump, you know, can be crass or he gets caught doing something or he says something, and it has almost little to no effect, right? Right. But, you know, but someone else, like a celebrity, they'll get caught doing something, you know, Matt Lauer or, you know, Kathy Griffin, those stuff, and they, like, lose their job. Right. Right? Um Odell Beckham could lose his job for doing X, Y. So it's kind of interesting where there's definitely a mob mentality, especially anything that could be considered like a moral panic. Like, so, so right now we're dealing with um, the Me Too movement and where we, you know, there's this, you know, there's so much righteous anger, I think, around this subject. But then there's also the mob mentality of, we found someone screwing up. Let's go get them. You know, it's the same thing. Like, oh, we, we caught some celebrity on tape set using a racial slur or something. All right. We got to get them fired from the job. We got to make it's like it's it's this whole thing around it that I think is really dangerous. And it also, like I said, the hypocrisy that folds into it is understanding that we all say dumb stuff <laughs> when we don't think anyone's listening. We all have shitty thoughts we all have selfish thoughts we all have you know um you know and the hypocrisy is kind of saying you know is is the kind of moralism that i think we used to associate with perhaps conservatives in like the 90s right like the people like the evangelicals are like how dare bill clinton get a blowjob i would never cheat you know and um and now that's kind of gone a little more mainstream, the kind of moralizing, like pretending, oh, I would never do such a thing. It's like, no, we're all, we all fuck up. We're all, you know, not as nice as we think we are. We're all not as polite as we, as we think we are. We don't. So it's, um, you know, I think grappling with that is, is, is a major, major challenge. But it's tough because these things are happening on really grand scales. It's kind of interesting as you were saying that and thinking about, you know, a lot of the catfish shows and stuff like that that my wife and I have watched. You know, I've kind of picked up on that, too, that people just kind of want to catch people fucking up. But I kind of wonder, is it that they just want to, to be able to have the, see, you, 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 we caught you, like you were saying, or is it that we want to correct the bad behavior? Well, so, so what you're talking about is um, symptoms versus root cause. Okay. Right. And... I can, you know, a lot of times when I make points, I, I have to kind of put the preface that I'm speaking about American culture because I don't know the world culture right. 
place by place. I can only speak speak for us. So I think pertaining to American society, I think one of our biggest and most dominant um, points of focus is symptoms. That's what we focus on is let's get a Band-Aid <laughs> instead of avoiding getting the cut in the first place. Right. Um, because root causes means you have to do systemic change. It means you got to pull up the foundation, right? We got to we got to tear the building down and build a new building because the foundation is rotten. Right. Um and that is really the, like and and I and and me I'm the exact opposite. Doesn't make me necessarily I have the capacity to to fix the root problem, but I'm always thinking about the root problem. So when something uh, so here's what happens is let's say I'll give you an example this Louis C.K., right? Louis C.K. does some shit. By the way, a long time ago. It wasn't like he did it <laughs> last week, right? Right. Um, this stuff he did a long time ago. Um, and for many people, it's, well, take him off the air. Um, shun him. Do not bring him on your show. Don't let him, you know, boycott his comedy or whatever. You know, when the... To me, okay, and I get it. That punishes... The behavior. Louis C.K., Right. It says, hey, you did X, Y, Z, so now this is your punishment. You don't – your career needs to be affected this way, right? So l- really think about that. So what does that do? So now I'm Louis C.K. Now I can't work. Now am I going to just feel really bad about myself and say, all right, even though he has not been engaged in this activity recently as far as we know. Maybe he has and I'm just – Right. You know, so, so is he from that moment – does he just be – like, is he so filled with sorrow? He says, I'll never do this again. And, you know, I haven't done it for a while. Then he doesn't. But he can't undo what's been done, right? Right. He can't, you know, and, and that's the thing about punitive measures. Like, if I go, if I commit a crime and I go to jail for five years, I can't undo the crime I did. All I can do is focus on what I do in the, in the future. You know, the key is, I think, is to, all right, if people are doing things, if, if, you know, if they're harassing people, how do you get ahead of that and get people out of the place that they would do something like that in the first place? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the thing. You know, I think with a lot of these things is how do we improve the culture? Because what I think is a lot of it is about, is about repression. You know, I think people are repressed sexually and they don't, I think a lot of men, especially don't have the communicative abilities to express these frustrations and these wants and these, these, these things telling them to do these, you know, really terrible things. And, uh, and they don't have the capacity to express that in a healthy way that doesn't hurt anyone. And until we get, get around that, then we're never going to kind of solve the actual problem. But here's the thing about all these problems. We're never going to solve them, right? There's never going to be like, Wow, we had zero robberies last year. <laughs> we had zero rapes, you know. <laughs> right. Like, you know, for the most part, I mean, maybe, you know, 500 years, maybe we'll like. Minority there won't be any. Yeah, there won't be any murders, whatever. I'm, you know, there's definitely problems we can, we can improve upon. But um, there's certain, some of these things, like this idea, we're going to eliminate racism. No, you're not. You're not going to. It's like saying we're going uh, to eliminate jealousy. <laughs> We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're on a, a campaign to just get rid of envy. 
what are you talking about? Like, we're, like no, I mean, this is part of the human condition. You can do your best to educate people on it, to enlighten people, to make people move forward. But no, these are just feelings that people have. These are, you know, so, you know, that's the thing of, of thinking in absolute terms and not honing in on root causes, you know. Sort of funny. During lunch th- this earlier today, my wife and I were talking about just in general social media and so forth. And I was like, you know, we live in such a world where everything can be tailor made to the experience that you want to have with it, w- to whatever degree you want to engage with everything. Like, oh, I don't like that person's opinion. I block them. I want these things. This, you know, you can tailor make all of your experiences now. That I'm interested to see how living this way how it's going to affect our culture and society like 10 15 20 years from now cuz i feel like it's we're it's detrimentally setting the new crop of kids coming out to to not understand how real world life experiences work because it just seems like like something i actually like about the podcast and i feel like maybe you're sort of in the same way or anyone who really enjoys communicating is that we've lost this people don't talk anymore in in at length about a lot of different things it seems uh and furthermore like kind of talking about the the digital online persona that people happen to have like a friend of mine was like we were talking about twitter and or, i'm sorry not twitter tinder and he was like i met this girl she was really awesome we texted everything was great then i met her in person and she just shut down and couldn't communicate to me because there wasn't yeah. a screen and i was and it's like i see that happening so much more now and I was like, how much of that do you think, though, is because, like, she lives in this world where everything is uh, happening in this little screen or on her laptop or whatever, and she can tailor everything to where it's it's comfortable for her to be who she wants to be as opposed to figuring out what that looks like in the real world? Yeah, I, I, I here's what I actually think what's going on. I think maybe it could go a few ways, but this is more like, a, like a, an, an idea I'm spitballing. That I think the way we engage with our phones and social media might kind of be like watching a movie from like the 70s and everyone's smoking. Like, damn, <laughs> everyone's smoking. We're going to look back and be like, man, remember we were like all on our phones all the time? Like, I think it's that unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, and I think data will show over time. Like, so what you're talking about is uh, social skill atrophy, right? So you don't have interface and a skill, you lose a skill. You, know, you can only engage in a skill. And the thing is uh, social awkwardness and social anxiety and shyness has always been around. It will always be around. I'm going to uh, fight to end that. What's that? I'm going to fight to end that. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's listen, it's... Um, you know, we can all remember what it's like being in high school and feeling, you know, so much of that, that experience is, is dominated about the idea of fitting in when you're going through all these chemical changes, your body's changing, you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are and, you know, that's never going to go away. But now we have this extra component, this layer of, of distance between, uh, people and how they connect and we and keep in mind this you also in this apparatus you have literally endless entertainment 
You have every movie, every book, every video game. You can get every. You can occupy yourself, and that in and of itself is an isolating thing, right? So if I'm entertained, that's something that can distance me from someone else, right? I don't need to be entertained by a human being, you know. Like think about think about if you grew up in a damn cabin in North Dakota in the 1800s, right? Because right. back then a lot of people, a lot more people were. Uh, you know, not educated. So if you couldn't read, you, and even if you could read, well, you would think it's a, 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 you know, Borders books and music around the corner. <laughs> no. Where's the, you know, um, you know, so even, even that having access to, to material. So a lot of our entertainment and, and, uh, you know, we were defined by our human interface. Right. So, but humans were adaptable, man. We change real quick, but based on, what's going on you know we can kind of adapt to everything so you know yeah it's super unhealthy and i think the ramifications of that are are kind of yet to be determined you know but it's it's scary me even me i'm i know i'm addicted to my phone but i also am uh unlike cigarette like i can't imagine a job where like man if you're gonna work here you're gonna have to smoke at least six seven cigarettes a day no (laughs) but considering that i'm in the uh I do work that is publicly engaged. If I wasn't on Twitter, if I was on Instagram, if I was doing this, I would get in trouble. People are like, yo, dude, you're not promoting such right. and such record. Right. You're not, hey, the, my podcast network, hey, Doc, you really need to post about your episodes. And also because I want all my stuff to do well, I understand this is how you get, get it out there. So it's, I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So understanding that I'm engaged in something that is extremely unhealthy, but also ne- necessary. Kind of, I guess it's kind of like working like a coal mine or something. It's like, well, I need to work in the coal mine to pay my bills, but I also know it's killing me. Right. So with March Madness starting on what? Isn't it coming up on is it, th- is it Thursday it starts, I'm thinking? Or this next weekend? Either way. I don't, I don't know. Um, March Madness is starting. Who do, you, who do you got and who are you looking forward to watching over this, uh, this tournament? That maybe I literally like, don't. I literally don't pay attention to college basketball. Don't don't follow it. Not really. I mean, like I did when I was younger. But here's the thing, man. This, I, you you gotta pick like three things you follow in life. <laughs> all right. You can't like I, I don't. Who are these people? They be having on Sports Center. It's like, oh, Stephen A. I'm gonna talk about basketball. Football. Then I'm gonna talk about football, <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you how Tiger's doing. And then oh, the Yankees. Bull shit. There's no way anyone is just knowledgeable on sport, all sport. I'm sorry. Like, you know, college basketball, the fact that you have, because everything is one and done, like, you have to literally work that much harder to understand what the hell is going on. I mean, it's like the same 12 schools are good every year, you know, um, the players don't stick around, so how can you even get used to anyone? It's like, oh, well, this guy's here. Oh, he's gone. That was cool. <laughs> like, I remember, like, I watched college basketball when I was in, like, high school because I was in high school and I didn't have no life. And that's so then I could. So, like, I was watching. I remember when uh, Allen Iverson with Georgetown played against Connecticut with, like, Ray Allen. I remember Paul Pierce with Kansas. I remember watching Tim Duncan, Wake Forest. But he had played, like, three, three or years. four years. Yeah. You know, Um you know, so people usually stayed at least two or three years so you could actually get used to them and see them develop. Um, 
So yeah, I was really into it, and it was and it's cool to watch someone develop, and then they go to the league and kind of make make a career. But I'm like literally like it was like draft night, and you'll know like the the four or five people that everyone's talking about, and after that, I'm like I don't I don't know. See for me, like, I, I know. I was good. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't know anything about Chris Haps Porzingis when he got drafted by the Knicks. I didn't know anything about Frank. I'm a I'm a Knicks fan, so uh, Frank Nitikina. Goddamn, I can't say his name. Um, Frankie Nicotine. Um, so I'm just kind of like, oh well, I guess they seem like it's pretty good. I don't know. Just... It's see, it's kind of funny to me though. Is like this is the time of year because of that one and done, where I feel like this gives me that opportunity to really kind of watch a lot of shit in a very because of the one and done of the tournament style and of the play the players typically are one and done and this is the time where everyone kind of adds to their their brand and what it's worth you know i remember it was kind of weird like watching that michigan team that finally kind of after all the suspensions and takeaways of not being able to play in the tournament you know tim hardaway jr and nick stauskas and, and a lot of these players like damn all right like they're able to play like on a bigger level against some of these like you know north carolina's your dukes your your story programs and it's kind of interesting to see some of these players take their game to the NBA. Like Tim Hardaway, you know, a lot of people thought he wasn't going to be able to do very much and wasn't going to have much of a career, was probably going to be a bench player. And it seems like now that he's kind of been given an opportunity in New York a little bit, like he's kind of playing at that level he was when he was kind of had the reins of Michigan. And, you know, it's kind of this is the time where I like to see, like, what's coming, hopefully, into the NBA and maybe getting a glimpse of some of these players who might take the NBA a little bit further. Yeah, oh, and there's two other points I have to make about why I really don't watch college basketball anymore. One, um, the game is just significantly less um, exciting to watch for me. Like, the skill level is so much worse than the NBA. (laughs) Um, And also, I just, I despise the NCAA, and I find the whole March Madness billion-dollar app, you know, Bracketology kind of, and all that. No, 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 no. Oh. Billion dollar empire where um, a bunch of young men of color get exploited um, and some other people are getting rich off of it. A lot of people get rich off of it. And I find the whole system to be pretty disgusting. So that's Do you think thing. that maybe the new alternative is, is this new G League that they're kind of doing? I mean, it's not new. I mean, obviously, they had the D-League before that, and there's obviously semi-pro ball like overseas and so forth, so it's not a new concept. But the fact that they seem to kind of really be trying to integrate the G-League into being like a semi-pro of the NBA. No, I, no, I think it's as simple as this. If you're making mo- – if um, you're bringing in revenue, then pay the players. That's it. Fair you know? enough. And if, and, if you're, and if you're like – and people are like, oh, well – if they're getting paid, then what about, you know, like the women's volleyball? I'm like, does the women's volleyball bring in money? No, <laughs> they don't pay them. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, what is it? Does the, does the Alabama football team bring in a bunch of money? Okay, then pay, then pay the players. Because guess what? The coach is getting paid, you know? Everyone else, everyone's getting paid. The guy selling hot dogs is getting paid. The, you know, the dude who paints the field is getting paid. Every, every motherfucker there is getting paid. Everybody, dudes selling t-shirts getting paid, people selling beers, everyone's getting paid, except the reason why you're there. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. Stop pretending. The truth is, these teams are advertisements for the school. 
Right. That's what they are. They're walking. You know Michigan. You know UCLA because they're on TV all the time. Right. You know, um, and that helps the school and it makes it makes the store uh, more prestigious. And yeah, and they're just making a lot of money. Pay the players. I don't care how you're going to figure it out. Just figure it out. Right. I've often said whatever shit. the cost of their – because everyone wants to bitch about, oh, will they get a free scholarship and free education. I'm always like, cool, so that education costs however much. So deduct that from whatever you would pay them and then pay them after that. Like, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I just, I just, I just find the the whole thing to be disgusting because they're everyone's everyone's making a lot of money except the people out there. And and guess what? You play like football. Most of those guys don't don't go to the pros. They they have uh, life altering injuries and pain. You know, make sure you know what you you gonna have someone pay play four years of football. Why don't you take care of their uh, health care for the next uh, twenty years? You know, um, you know. So I just I've, I and, and and or you'll have a situation where you, like where you can't take away their scholarship. Right. Once they get a scholarship, unless they fail out. Right. Like a lot of these people I heard, like if they like, you know, if they're not on the team, then they like, they take away their scholarship. You should, you know, there's a lot. Of, I just, I just find the whole thing to be pretty terrible. So. I think, uh, it's pretty much a good place to end. I mean, kind of went all over the place. I think it's the point of, of a podcast though. A lot of hoops. Well, who do you think's? Uh, what are you looking forward to to round out the uh, the NBA season? Who do you think's got it this year? Just hoping someone on uh, Golden State gets injured. That's it. Do you think uh, Hayward's coming back for the Celtics? Uh, I just get the like. I feel like they if he can come back, he should. But I just feel like they're not going to bring him back. I feel like they're just going to wait. But I I listen. I think. That would be a game changer because I think what we're seeing with the Celtics is um, offensively we're not thought what they were what we thought we're, they're not what we kind of hoped they would be. <laughs> then their their um, their defense has regressed and uh, Tatum, as awesome as he is, kind of hit that rookie wall. Um, and more talent, you know, like someone like Gordon Hayward, I just don't see how someone like that can't help you. Right. And just you just have more another weapon, even if he's only playing 15, 20 minutes a game. Um, and they have a real shot of coming out of the East, so why not? I, hope, I really hope he does come back. I do, too. That was a really horrific injury. Ugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah uh, and, and honestly, what a great story that would be that someone has an injury that bad and comes back the same season. It'll just kind of go back to what you were saying earlier about the, uh, the advances in our medicine and technology to kind of learn how to rehab people quickly yeah look at paul george he basically had almost a season leg like snapped in half and the guy came back better than he was before yeah it's crazy so i always end these episodes out with a song uh so go ahead and tell me why it's going to be basketball jones and uh why you love that song so much you don't know i love that song (laughs) assuming things about me you know i like i like with the so I like Kung Fu Fighting more than Basketball Jones, you know. I figured maybe you would have been with the Monstars, uh, Hit em High. Um, no, what's, I'm trying to think, what's like the best song about about basketball? Um, I don't know. I like the the, the the New York, go New York, go New York, go. From like that, I don't know. You might be too young for that. I don't know if you remember the the, the New York Knicks song, Basketball Jones. That's that's my favorite song. That's, I love that song. That's what I think you should play. All right. I was just trying to be funny. (laughs) 
Figured maybe it would like bring up memories like, man, Space Jam. I love that movie. Bill Murray came in, made that one great play. I actually don't think I've ever seen... I still don't think I've ever seen Space Jam. Really? Yeah. Or that soundtrack, Out. Word up. I believe I can fly. That's what you play. Play that one. All right. I still think it's funny. The same man who wrote I Believe I Can Fly is the man that pees on children. I mean, you know. (laughs) God bless America. You can be both those people. And then uh, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me. All my stuff is at Doc Coyle, D-O-C-C-O-Y-L-E. Check out uh, Bad Wolves' new album, Disobey, comes out May 18th. And, uh, yeah, check out our stuff. And a tour that looks like it'll be following pretty soon. I know, that obviously, the Five Finger one, but it sounded like you guys got another one lined up. That yeah, well, we're doing out. two tours. We're doing two tours with Five Finger Death Punch. The first one is with Five Finger, Shinedown, um, and Star Set, and that is that starts in april and goes to kind of mid-may kind of mostly like a lot of midwest and kind of down south stuff and then we're doing a full u.s tour with five finger death punch breaking benjamin and nothing more so big stuff maybe i'll be able to catch you guys on one of those two yeah please come on out brother will do well enjoy the rest of your day and looking forward to more of the podcast thanks again for your time thank you brother you be good you as well so that was my chat with Doc Coyle, formerly of God Forbid, currently of Bad Wolves, also of the X-Men podcast. Can't thank Doc enough for coming on and, and kind of bullshitting with me for a little while. Uh, I know that that may not be something that a lot of people are interested in me talking to Doc about, which is basketball. But I think there is some cool shit that we got to toward the end there. And I think it's uh, it was something that definitely, like I said, in the in the conversation that was weighing heavily with my wife and I, like we were having that conversation earlier that day about, you know, just thinking about what growing up in a social media world will do for the generation below us. Because, you know, a lot of times when we, in our 30s, as my wife and I are, when we have conversations with people, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, oh, remember before the internet, before we had cell phones, before we texted, before we had all these things and sound like fucking old people, but... I think legitimately, like, we are the last of the the people, the generations that can honestly say that they used to hang out with people and everyone wasn't on their fucking phone. When you did shit, you hung out with these people. The friends that you had, like, man, I don't know. I just, I, I do wonder what it will, what it'll be like, what, what it's going, what impact it will have on the future of our humanity, I guess, for lack of a better word. But be that as it may, uh, I just, again, want to thank Doc for taking the time a while back to actually, you know, take the time to do this. Uh, I know he's insanely busy. Again, if you follow him on his social media, you can see that he has just been traveling all over. The success of the Cranberry cover of Zombie has just taken that band to another echelon. And, you know, major props to Doc and Tommy and all the people that make up Bad Wolves and just all the continued success that they are currently having. Um, So... I'm going to, again, kind of keep everything pretty short. So if you would like to actually keep up with Doc and all the adventures that he's kind of going on, him and Tommy are a great follow uh, across all the social medias, uh, very much giving you a behind-the-scenes look about everything that's going on. And all of it's pretty fucking sweet, between doing late-night TV to going to hang out with Jose Mangan and just anything that those two and all the dudes are doing. It's it's really fun to kind of be along for the adventure of everything that's happening for the Bad Wolves camp. So... Uh, if you would like to follow Doc Coyle, as he said there at the end, it's really simple. It's just Doc Coyle across everything. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. 
And uh, again, the X-Men podcast, if you are not familiar with the fact that Doc has a podcast, he has a very phenomenal podcast called the X-Men podcast. The hook of it of sorts is that he gets people who used to be in other bands, hence the X in X-Men. And it's just so well done. And, and all the interviews are really great. And, you know, it just it's it's a platform that I think Doc is was made for interviewing people, talking to people, bringing stories out of these people. And even if there's someone that I don't know or I, I, I'm not a fan of the band that that person's from or has been in, I always find the interviews and the conversations intriguing. And to me, that's really the telltale of a, of a great interviewee you know, that they can do that, make people feel at ease to tell great stories. And Doc is definitely one of those people. So can't say enough good things about Doc and everything that he does, whether it be the Bad Wolves thing. Go back, listen to God Forbid if you haven't heard that. Uh, and you can catch Bad Wolves. They are hitting the road hard in the next, uh, basically, rest of the year. Uh, starting in April 18th, which by the time this comes out, that will have already passed. But from now until May 5th, they will be on tour with Hollywood Undead. That leads up to the tour starting June 4th through July 6th with uh, Ashes to New, followed by a five-finger death punch run with Breaking Benjamin from July until September. And I'm sure the dudes will be on the road for quite a while. Uh, Their record, again, their debut record, Disobey, will be out May 11th. Uh, The date that Doc gave me in this interview, I think, was the original date. It got moved up a week. And it'll be out May 11th via 11.7 Music. Pre-orders for that record is still up. They got some great bundles. Uh, You can get the vinyl. I saw a test press uh, image go up on the Bad Wolves Instagram. So there's definitely going to be vinyl. There's hoodies. There's everything you could want. Uh, So definitely go out, support this band, support Doc. Go catch them on the road. Uh, They're doing headlining runs, support runs, anything and everything in between. So uh, if you don't get to see Bad Wolves uh, this year, that's that's basically your fault. Uh, So... If you would like to keep up with uh, my partner at Moshpit Nation, you can find them at moshpitnation.com. You can follow them on Facebook at moshpitnationwestmi. Twitter and Instagram are simply moshpitnation. And if you would like to keep up with what I'm doing, you can do such on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod and email me at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. Going to wrap this episode up as we always do over here with the song. And no, it is not going to be Basketball Jones. And no, it is not going to be I Believe I Can Fly. The more I thought about it, I decided to actually play one of my favorite newer uh, Doc Coyle songs. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Doc also writes uh, stuff for people and actually had a hand in writing one of my favorite songs off of the newest Body Count record. And this is why we ride. Upon hearing that song the first time, the first spin of that record, the day it came out, there was something about that song, just the the attitude and the groove, that I just fell in love with right away. And of course, once I found out Doc had a hand in it, it was like, ah, that makes sense. Uh, It does kind of have a little bit of that Doc flavor, that nasty attitude kind of riffage going on in it. And it's just a great vehicle for Ice to fucking do his thing over. And just as a whole, the song, like I said, is probably one of my favorites off of that record. Uh, I mean, that was one of my top records of last year, and this was the top single for me off of that record. So without further ado, this is And This Is Why We Ride by Body Cow. Talk to you next week. People always want to know the reason for what they consider senseless violence in the hood. I'm going to break it down for you. This is why we ride. This 
little drama Big drama Next thing you know, somebody's dead I don't think you can understand If you've never been in the streets And held your best friend in your arms Your child in your arms And watched him breathe that last breath Somebody shot him dead in the streets You ain't thinking about calling the police You want revenge And you want it now I gotta be honest with you If somebody were to kill me, shoot me right now My last words wouldn't be peace Get those motherfuckers This song is dedicated To all of you Who've lost somebody